Dr. Rachel Naomi Remen is one of the earliest pioneers in the mind, body, spirit movement within healthcare. When she was young, her grandfather told her many stories about heroic men and women who lived long ago, who learned important things through their mistakes. Rachel's grandfather was an Orthodox rabbi and a lifelong student of the Kabbalah, the mystical teachings of Judaism. Only after her grandfather's death did Rachel realize that these stories were her grandfather's way of teaching the book of Genesis. This may sound different than the way you have heard this story before. Rachel's grandfather told her the story of Grandmother Eve and the snake, and that the story is of importance to our inner life. Rachel says, in the beginning of the story, Grandmother Eve is a little girl, a child. God is the father who provides food and shelter and everything else that is needed for life. In return, Eve obeys God in the same way that Rachel was expected to obey her daddy. Life in the garden is much the same each day. Little is asked of Eve. She lives there with all the animals and the plants, including a tree of great beauty in the center of the garden called the tree of God's wisdom. God has given her some very clear guidelines about this tree. She can eat the fruits of all the other trees, but the fruit of this tree is forbidden. In the beginning, she accepts this guidance without question, even though the purpose of life may be to grow in wisdom. As time goes by, Eve changes. She begins to grow up. She becomes a teenager. One day, she is passing the most beautiful tree, and a snake is coiled in its branches and speaks to her. Eve, here is one of the apples of this tree. Why not eat it? Rachel's grandfather always paused at this point in the story to explain that the snake was not really a snake, but a symbol for the human yearning for wisdom. The seductive power of the unknown and the fascination of the mysterious that 
human beings have. The snake is a teacher. He addresses the part of Eve that is no longer a child, but is a seeker. Eve remembers what God has said. The fruit of this tree is forbidden. But Eve is an adolescent. Like most people her age, she needs to find out for herself. She feels drawn to the fruit, reaches for it, and takes a bite. Rachel's Orthodox rabbi grandfather always then told her, this apple is no different from any other food. When Grandmother Eve eats it, the wisdom of God becomes a part of her inner life, a holy wisdom she carries inside of her and not something she speaks to outside. She now carries the voice of God inside every one of her cells like a little compass. As her descendants, so do we. Eating the apple made possible an enormous change in Grandmother Eve's way of living. She no longer needed to live in God's house in the nursery to be safe. She was able to leave this protected environment because she carried God within her. She could hear God if she was willing to listen. When she ate the apple, she became an adult and gained the freedom of an adult to go out into the world of complexity, adventure, responsibility, and change. To have her own life, to make her own choices, And always at this point, Rachel would ask her grandfather, why did God tell Grandmother Eve that she mustn't eat the apple if it wasn't true? Her grandfather always answered her as if she were a fellow scholar of the Kabbalah. This is a most difficult question worthy of much thought. The Bible is full of images of God, but God is none of these things. These are all images in the minds of people. Knowing God may require us to question all of these things. Rachel says when she was a child hearing this story, she felt sorry for Grandmother Eve. 
giving moment-to-moment inner attention to the God within seemed much harder to her than giving simple obedience. But there comes a time in our lives when we become aware that each of us is being asked by God to learn to hear the Holy One's voice and to take on for ourselves the task of discerning what it is to live a good and faithful life. The season of Lent is a time the church sets aside to invite us to give inner attention to God, to listen and look for God within. Do I notice God's help and guidance given to me? When do I forget and think that I am on my own to handle all of the complexity and struggles of life? Do I fear that I am so broken or wounded or out of step or that I have made too many mistakes that I am beyond God's mercy and love? Am I afraid to talk with God? Am I angry with my life and angry with what feels like God's absence? Who is God? What does God expect of me? What part of myself do I think I need to hide from God and even myself? All of these questions are a normal part of growing in our relationship with God. This is how we grow. The questions are stirred up in us by God to help us wrestle and stretch and grow so that in time we come to see ourselves as God has always seen us and sees us now, so that in time we come to see God face to face. God created us to question, to grow, to blossom. One of the hardest things in this journey can be acknowledging and naming and speaking the truth with God about what I am wrestling with. This is the invitation and the wisdom of Lent. With God's help to look within, to see as I'm able to see what part of me I think is not worthy of God's love. And to speak of this with God.
God's compassion, steadfast forgiveness, mercy, and love are offered to each one of us continually. It's a part of the human journey that we often forget this, that we hold ourselves separate from God and our community, not knowing how to receive this profoundly restorative gift from God. A couple weeks ago, our friend Dixie Snyder shared this story with me. It's by Dr. Michael Lee. Michael was working one day in the emergency department of a hospital. He entered the room of his next patient. The room was dark, and it was quiet. There was a young man in the room. This was this young man's third visit to the emergency department as well as his uh, second time to meet with his primary physician. For the past six months, he had had persistent nausea. His appetite had been declining. He had lost 15 pounds in the last two months. His schoolwork was deteriorating. He'd withdrawn from his friends and his hobbies. The young man, who is called by Michael J., tells Michael that every doctor who has seen her son has reported that all of his test results have come back normal. And he's been sent away without a diagnosis. Michael examined Jay and ordered a few tests. But he discerned the heart of the issue for this young man. He paused. He spent a moment looking at Jay. Jay's face looked haggard. He was curled up on the corner of the bed. He was withdrawn, not making any eye contact. Michael knew that Jay needed him to be honest with him, to tell him that Michael suspected that Jay's symptoms were due to depression rather than a gastrointestinal issue. And that help was available. But Michael hesitated, knowing how often such conversations go poorly. Usually, people thought 
that he wasn't taking their suffering seriously. Michael paused again, receiving guidance from God. He asked to speak with Jay alone, and when they were alone, he said, Tell me how you've been feeling. At first, Jay didn't answer, so they simply sat quietly in the dark room. Then, slowly, Jay described his symptoms. And then he began to talk about his plans to apply for college, to study biology, and his hope to go to medical school one day. And as he began to speak more freely, Jay began to make eye contact with Michael. Together, Michael and Jay looked up the clinical definition of depression. Jay turned on the lights so that he could read better. Later, when his mother was back in the room and the test results were reviewed and found to be normal, Jay asked what each test meant and he and Michael reviewed each disease for which he had been tested. When it was time for the behavioral health specialist to evaluate Jay, he engaged with them eagerly and shared his story with them, too. In their notes, they wrote that Jay has been thinking a lot about what Dr. Lee shared with him about physical symptoms of depression and anxiety. That's exactly what it's like said Jay. As Jay's anxieties and fears emerged and were heard, he could receive help. This is my experience of how God is with me and with all of us. God joins us in the dark, anxious place where we are, looking at us, truly seeing us, knowing what we are wrestling with, knowing how we are, seeing each of us clearly. God waits with great respect and compassion, waiting for the time when we are ready to join God in seeing ourselves as God sees us. When we're ready, God, our partner and companion, helps our eyes open 
stirs up our questions and our wondering. All of this calms the shame and the fear we carry that something is wrong with me. Something is wrong with me that it seems as if this life is scary and complicated. And I feel so limited. And I don't know what to do when I'm suffering. God joins us in naming that this is normal and human. We are in the boat with every other human being. Now that God and I are talking openly about all of this, I am able to experience acceptance, relief, compassion, and great love. May you find God's listening heart, your place of relief, compassion, and joy this Lent.